What is up, and welcome everybody to another episode of Nerds Talk Movies. That's right, your ears do not deceive you. It is I, Tristan Benz, back from a few weeks break while I was working on some other projects, along with my co-host, my, trying to think, what's a good X-Men adjective? My savage co-host, like the savage Wolverine, Drew Garrison. Drew, how are you doing? Doing good, I'm back. I'm glad to be back with my uncanny co-host. There we go. Look at that. He's savage. I'm uncanny. We're just all the adjectives up in here. Taylor's <laughs> absent. You know, that's that's the, the adjective for him, I guess we're using for this. Because uh, he just hates Wolverine, apparently. He hates Logan, uh, from what I understand. Just the number one Logan hater. I can't believe it. I know. It's just, it's really heartbreaking. Um, and I really hope that... At some point, we can we can bring him around to to the to the light side, you know, preferably before Deadpool three, you know. But we've got a writer strike going on right now and an actor strike, so we've got plenty of time to to sway him to uh to the cause of the just. But uh, yeah, so this is our first episode on Nerds Talk Movie together in what? So the last one we did was what? The Flash? I think. I think so. It's been a couple months. We've been busy, you know? We've been we've been busy uh, getting into some shenanigans that I'm sure we will get into later. But that is not what we're here to talk about. What we are here to talk about today, everyone, well, i tell you what. You saw the title. You, I would imagine, know how to read if you were able to, you know, properly select this episode. Uh, we're talking about Logan. The 2017, it was 2017, right? Yes, 2017. The 2017 acclaimed film, Logan. As usual, we're going to start off by reading a little synopsis from the old IMDb, the IMDb, if, uh, if you're nasty. In a future where mutants are nearly extinct, an elderly and weary Logan leads a quiet life. But when Laura, a mutant child pursued by scientists, comes to him for help, he must get her to safety. And you know what? That's a pretty straightforward synopsis. And, and I, I've, got, uh, I've got no qualms with it, really. Honestly, it's one of their good ones. There, yeah, there's a good one. For the cast and crew, it's it's just jam packed, you know, with with talent both behind and in front of the camera, and BT dubs. All this cast and crew info is once again from IMDb, but directed by James Mangold, story by James Mangold, who also worked on the screenplay with Scott Frank and Michael Green. Uh, this film is based on, obviously, the Wolverine slash Logan character created by John Romita Sr., Roy Thomas, Len Wein, and Herb Trimpey. And the story itself is loosely based on the Old Man Logan storyline by Mark Millar, who we just talked about recently on an episode of our show, The Longbox Hunters, which is what Drew and I have been busy on. And shameless plug. Shameless plug. There's no shame in this plug. And Steve McNiven, who is uh for for the general listener out there who's not super into comics he did the art for the original civil war the marvel civil war comic so that's that's a that's a certain pedigree actually this is the same creative team from the marvel civil war comic which explains why some of the characters are out of character because mark millar does what he wants but that is not what we're talking about anywho <laughs> the main cast for this film is as follows we got hugh jackman Obviously, you know, you can't have a Wolverine movie without Hugh Jackman, apparently. Hugh Jackman See, I is Logan. Were... Hmm? See, I thought you were going to give him your nickname that you always used back what, in college. What, Huge uh, Jacked Man? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's a huge jacked man. And he is especially huge and jacked in mm -hmm. this movie when he's portraying X-24 
you know, the, the Logan clone. Then you got Patrick Stewart back as Charles Xavier. You got Daphne Keene just stealing the show as Laura Kenny. Well, they never say Kenny, but we know her name's Laura Kenny. Yeah. That's in the comics. Uh, you got Boyd Holbrook, who's great as Donald Pierce. Uh, really like the reverse in this. You get Stephen Merchant as Caliban, who's also great. Elizabeth Rodriguez as Gabriella. She's she's good. I mean, she doesn't really she doesn't get enough time in the movie for me to say with my old chest she's great, but she's good. She she comes in there. She does what she needs to do. She gets the plot rolling, and you know she does a a, a solid performance. And she is a great camera lady with a cell phone. Oh my, we're going to, let me tell you something. Steadicam, never heard of her. That woman is just the, the next Steven Spielberg because her camera work, like you say, impeccable. Also, we gotta, we gotta acknowledge her sound design for being able to pick up these conversations through concrete walls. I would imagine, you know, you don't only see a medical facility, some thick walls. She is just, if, if this whole, like, evil scientist assistant thing doesn't work out for her, she has got a career in Hollywood. I promise oh, you yeah. that. And speaking of careers in Hollywood, we also have Richard E. Grant as Dr. Rice. So there you go. But, obviously, movies and TV shows, they're driven by more than just a director, writers, cast, all that jazz. There's hundreds, occasionally thousands, of people working on each project you know depending on if it's like a big old franchise or whatever so for each Uh movie or show we cover we also highlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate depending on what we think is the movie or show's best rate cast members not included in our main cast section are also eligible to be selected for this part too so drew what about you what's your who, who are you calling out for this who's your little mvp see for this one uh I honestly didn't know we were doing this because otherwise I would have gone through the through the entire credits just to find them. But I think that for me, the best stuff here is the sound design. Mm-hmm. And that is saying a lot because a lot of stuff about Logan is pretty good. But the it's, sound design... It's an, an Oscar winning film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think the sound design for this film is just crazy. What they use for Charles's telepathy, how they utilize the claws and the subtle differences mm-hmm. between... Between Laura's claws popping and Logan's, yeah, and just how and just how it's utilized in the story and everything, it's like everything sounds so much more visceral, which gives a weight to every action that's done. I agree, I agree. It's this is a well-made movie from stem to stern, and obviously the whole crew uh, needs to be you know commended. We need to give them their flowers. But I'm not going to put the crew down as, as my MVP for right now because there is a glaring omission in the cast list that I just cannot abide. And that's Eric LaSalle <laughs> uh, oh. of Coming to America fame. Uh, you, you people may remember him. You know, he was, I can't remember the character's name, but he was the one with the Jericho who's always advertising the soul glow. You know, So we got to shout out Eric LaSalle in this movie as the farmer guy whose name I never remember, but his family gets murdered uh, by the Weapon X program, you know, chasing after Wolverine. So shout out to Eric LaSalle, always in our hearts. Uh, his family will live on, you know, in, uh, in our, our, our thoughts and prayers. R.I.P. R.I.P. So... Normally, we have a little prelude uh, right before we get into the movie. So, Drew, I want to I talk to you. I want to talk to you real quick before we get into your comic connections. When the Logan movie was announced, 
And it was like, oh, we're doing Old Man Logan. Like, this is this is Hugh Jackman's last ride, which, you know, we thought it was at the time, which clearly it's not because Deadpool 3. But for the time being, when this was coming out, this was going to be the last, the last Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie. What were your thoughts? I was sad because the MCU was in swing. And I was like, ah, but he's a perfect Wolverine, though. I mean, he's tall, but at the same time, he fits the um, look and just overall characteristics of the character he gets them all perfectly so i was really sad at the same time i was also like uh they're doing old man logan and you know during that time during the comics they couldn't stop shoving him in everywhere we loved we, they were just shoving old man logan because main logan was dead main wolverine yeah. was dead at the time uh, so they were replacing him with, uh, X-23 became Wolverine, they had, um, his son Akihiro running around, they had Old Man Logan coming in from the Old Man Logan dimension, and now he was just running around in the main universe. It was, we were missing the main Wolverine, and yet somehow we had so much Wolverine. Yeah. Oh, not to mention, they also turned Sabretooth good and counted him as a Wolverine. They did. And an Avenger. Oh, yeah. That was a thing. That was weird. That was weird. But, so you were, how how do you feel about this? You were obviously upset about Hugh Jackman, you know, but were you, like, kind of relieved in a way? Because, I mean, obviously it's annoying that they were shoving old man Logan in everything, but was there a part of you that was like, all right, great, he's going to die, then we can stop getting inundated with Wolverine content? Because I was a little bit yeah. in, in that. In that yeah, era. they... It's like they it's like they did the same thing they did in the comics. It's like Wolverine is so popular that he's just everywhere. It's like he was yeah. on se like in the comics he was on seven different Avengers teams at one point at the same time and he it acknowledged was, it, was it. It was so weird. It was really weird. And not including all the X-Men stuff he was in and his multiple solo books. Yeah. So like having him like allowing him to just finally just walk off into the sunset and everything. I was I was relieved in it as well. And everything it's like it's like in that point where it's like you have a ton of emotions but but it's like you're also glad that it's it's over yeah and that was my feelings leading up to the logan movie and and i admit i also had doubts because fox was not doing well with uh the x-men movies at the time well they weren't but the last movie that came out for this days of future past yeah and they also had deadpool so they were on the upswing i was in a similar spot to like i said um they were shoving old man Logan and everything, and that's a story I never really super duper cared about anyway in the comics. So I was just like, all right, great, whatever. Hugh Jackman's last movie, interesting. You know, they're bringing back Patrick Stewart's Professor X, also interesting. It seemed like they were, even from the production standpoint, leading up to it. Uh, and I'm sure people who followed the movie as it was uh, being worked on. It did feel like they were treating this differently than other superhero movies. So that was interesting. A lot of talk of how it was, you know, Western inspired. Um, so from that from that standpoint, I was looking forward to it. Then it comes out and I'm like, oh, well, it just blew my nips off. Uh, and that's very <laughs> exciting. And there were a lot of fun little comic book references that I'll let you yeah. get into right now. Okay, so there, so there are a lot of comic connections and everything. Uh, so the biggest one, of course, is Old Man Logan. It's where the Old Man Logan version basically comes from. Uh, there are a few things added to, like, this. Like, I don't think, like, in Old Man Logan, Logan had a problem with popping his claws. He just refused to. But as for other references, 
I don't I don't know which one the comic book itself that they put in the movie comes from, but that one is also a big comic reference. I feel like that was something they made. I thought that was something they just made for the movie. Like I thought they got an actual artist to do the art, but I don't think that was a legitimate storyline. Oh, huh. Interesting. Now, I want to hear your general thoughts on Logan after seeing it. Like having you know, however many years removed from this film, just how do you feel about Logan? It's honestly just as good as when I first watched it. It's really, really good. It's really, really good. Like, uh, like a part of me is glad that we've got um Hugh Jackman back for one last draw in Deadpool, mm-hmm. but at the same time, this was such a good send off. Oh my god, it really was. And I think. Like, I agree, and I think the main reason why I'm not as pressed by him coming back in Deadpool 3 is it's clearly a younger Logan. Like, it maybe it's from a different timeline, or maybe it's this Logan, but, you know, before Professor X accidentally kills the X-Men. But they're not disrupting the ending that this Logan has, at least... From what we know so far, I don't know, maybe Deadpool 3 starts with <laughs> Wade running up and digging up Wolverine's grave to bring him back. But, which would be like funny, that, um, I'll admit. Yeah, like that his he short. Yeah, but for now, we can assume that this ending will remain untouched. I'm pretty sure they did say that, where it's like, we're not disrupting the ending, like this is something separate. Okay, and, you know, cool. we've seen variants in the multiverse look like the same person, so it's not impossible to believe that they'll just have a Logan played by Hugh Jackman, but doesn't have the same experiences that we've seen from the rest of the Wolverines, which would make sense. I mean, he is wearing the, you know, comic accurate costume, so it wouldn't be the most unbelievable thing in the world. So it happens right after the Wolverine. Or, well, I mean, that costume was brown. This costume that we see in the the pictures is, you know, has the blue, so... Is it in the same timeline? Is this a different Wolverine, or does he just switch costumes all the time like he does in the comics? I would prefer if he just switched costumes. Then again, I did see uh, not a rumor, but just a theory that maybe this Wolverine and his X-Men are from the same universe as the Professor X we see in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and that could be cool. Because, you know, then he had the 90s hover chair, and you got this 90s Wolverine costume. It's just a Big 90s animated series inspired X-Men universe. That'd be very exciting. Oh, yeah. I wonder how he'll deal with the fact that Charles is dead again. I mean, if he deals with it at all, who's to say? I'm sure I'm sure Deadpool will make a joke out of it. But <laughs> anyway, back to Logan and this being such a good send off. Yeah. So this was a this was honestly a perfect send off. It's like, see, it's like Logan has always had the whole sort of being like the father figure of a care of a character mostly rogue in the movies and everything where it's like oh it's like it's the connection he's the loner but he's not the loner and all and all that stuff and he has big, to learn. big lone wolf and cub vibes yeah so it's like to have that to be fully realized with him having a daughter and just like needing to like connect with her or even just trying to like just do the job send her send her away so he can finally go out and get that boat he wants and die um, in peace. Yeah, die in peace and everything. It's just like this is this feels like peak Logan. This feels like the Logan we've been trying to uh we've been getting to know throughout the movies and how much like life has sort of shat on him. 
It's, I wouldn't even say short, sort of. It was, there was a, a, a heaping pile or two of shit on this man's life at the beginning of the film. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, he, it's like, dude, dude literally, literally found out that his brother um, was his brother, but, and that he accidentally killed his biological father the same time his adoptive father gets in. He's been in a lot of wars, has to literally go on a murder spree to try and kill his brother, and then he forgets about his brother. They never bring it up. Just forgets his whole life, really. Yeah, it's just... Oh, Logan then he has to is, kill Gene. Oh, yeah. Then he has to kill Gene, who he loves. And then he has to uh, go back in time, try and rewrite the timeline because the Sentinels are taking over and no Earthling learns that these things are too freaking dangerous. But uh, ugh, Logan just has had... He also drowns in the past. We're leaving that part out. He dies in the past. Oh, yeah. Like he, he so he has the memories of dying. Hmm. And then he, you know, wakes up back in the present because they managed to save the timeline at the last second. But he he does drown. Like, he sinks yeah. to the bottom of the Potomac and... Yeah. You know. Then he's, when he's, like, woken up. He's taken into the Weapon X program. And then, but see, then that's a different Wolverine timeline. You know, that's the... It, which, that's also confusing. Is this... Like, let's, let's just go ahead and have this conversation. I'll say my general thoughts. Love this movie. It's great. Everyone knows I love it. It was on my list of favorite movies. But just talking about the timeline that this is in. Obviously, this is, you know, way down the line. This is the farthest we've ever seen in the X-Men timeline. Aside from, you know, the snippets we see of the future with Cable in Deadpool. Um, which, actually, this may even be, I guess this would be before that. After, yeah, I don't technically we before that because Cable would be a child, I guess. Like, it's yeah, confusing because I don't know if, like, this Cable is t the actual son of Scott. And... Yeah, because they don't get into that. But then it's also confusing because in Deadpool, you know, the main MacGuffin is the kid in Deadpool 2, the kid uh, Russell, Firefist. And then we, he's what, like 13, 14 in that? And then you yeah. see him in the future, and he doesn't look super-duper old and decrepit. So you yeah. guess what? That's like 30, maybe 40 years if he just aged well. I don't know. Point being, and this is something I want to talk about in general, the X-Men timeline in these Fox movies as a whole. Confusing as shit. Unclear. They tried to fix with Days of Future Pass, and it worked. And then they immediately make it confusing again by having Mystique be striker and finding wolverine so then that just all leads into a bunch of confusion with the logan movie as to what timeline it's in like which which version of the characters is that we're seeing but i think it's actually a credit to this movie that despite all of that really confusing convoluted bullshit because fox didn't know how to run a cinematic universe this movie stands on its own so well in a way that whether or not you get confused about which Logan is, it really doesn't matter. You're just like, this is just Wolverine and he's old and Professor X accidentally killed the X-Men. Yep. Like, it's just so powerful. It's crazy how well this movie does to the point where you're just like, all the other stuff, forget about it. Yeah, it's like, eh, who cares? I mean, there's a reason why this won the Oscar for, or was it, did it win or was it just nominated? I'm pretty sure it won. Uh, uh, let me correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, but it, there's a reason why I got the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, or was at least nominated. So shout out to James Mangold and Scott Frank and Michael Green on that, because 
they did the damn thing, especially from a book that, I mean, a lot of people like Old Man Logan. A lot of people feel the same way they do about it as they would with a bunch of Mark Millar stuff where, like, this is just, like, edgy for the sake of edginess. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle on it. I think it's uh, interesting concepts, but in general, I'm not a super-duper big, you know, dystopian, post-apocalyptic future kind of guy. And at the very least, if I am, it's more of, like, a cyberpunk vibe that I'm into. Less of a, oh, we're just in the wastelands type thing. I'm more of a days of future past depressing future than a old man Logan depressing future. Those are just my personal taste. I get that, but you were right about it being just nominated. Okay, it is. It did not could have won. Could have, well, what won that year? It could have. It should have. I don't. You know what? It won in my heart. I'll tell you that damn much for free. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But as we were saying, this movie does stand on its own so well, and I think that is also part of why it was so successful critically. Um. In a way that we even don't really see that much, I feel like, with MCU movies or other superhero movies. I think that... I, I don't know off the top of my head what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. And even if it's, you know, lower than what we would see from more traditional superhero movies. I think the way that I remember critics talking about this, and even the way that people talk about it still to this day, feels different than how we get you know, how we hear most like, oh, it's the best Marvel movie ever. Like, this is a movie that I most frequently hear talked about, like, almost on the same level as, like, the Dark Knight trilogy or the original Raimi trilogy, which hasn't necessarily aged well, but people still hold it to such high esteem. Like, this is generally one of the movies that's in contention for best comic book movies of all time. And, it, you know, having watched this movie as many times as I have, it's hard to argue against that statement. Yeah, and it is one of those things where it's just like the writers know the source material and know what to take with it and what to take away with it, while also keeping to the heart of the character that they've been building up this whole time. Yeah, and paying it off in a way where it's just, it's respectful of the last, I guess at this point, that this movie came out 17 years that we had with Wolverine before, and also giving the opportunity to be like, Hey, if you want, here's this new Wolverine, here's Laura. Like she's an amazing character. I don't know how many times I've seen people be like, Hey, we need a, uh, Laura Kenny Wolverine X 23 movie. Like I've seen countless people say, you know what? If they just bring the Fox X-Men over to the MCU, just have her be the new Wolverine. Like people want her back as the character. And that's understandable. Cause I think she is the standout performance of this movie. Well, actually, Wolver Hugh Jackman's standout. She's the breakout, I should say. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And do you got do you gotta say that if they did do that, it feel it feel like a really cool way of bringing in the Fox the Fox X Men. I would I would question how the other X Men are alive if she's from the timeline where they're all dead. But I also wouldn't care because Laura Kinney is just awesome. It's like whether you get. Her X-Men Evolution original, which is only has two episodes, or go for her comic counterpart, or it's like, she's just, she's an awesome character, and she really is, like, someone who both stands in Wolverine's legacy, but also has her own legacy. It's just that amazing. 100%. She's a great character. She can definitely 
I mean, I think the character itself would be able to hold its own movie, and I definitely think Daphne Keene would be able to hold her own movie as the character. She's just great in the role. Um, as for well, other I can't call her cast, Tidy Murder Machine if she grows up, though. Yeah, well, she's our, I mean, I think she's like 18 now, so I don't think she can call, call her a Tiny Murder Machine anymore. I do in the movie, though. I mean, well, ah. she, yeah, in the movie, sure. But she's not the only person in this cast that I also think is a real breakout. Like, obviously, you know, this is Hugh Jackman's quote-unquote final performance as Wolverine, and I think it's the best he does as Wolverine. That's not really in question to me. Um, we know we know what he brings to the role. Like, this is, like you said, this is peak Wolverine. But he's surrounded by such a good cast, um, including... Patrick Stewart probably doing his best as Charles Xavier that we've seen. You know, it's a more broken and beaten down and suffering Charles Xavier. But in terms of the emotion that uh, Patrick Stewart gets to convey in this role and and the the weight of what he's dealing with, like I think this is probably the most he really gets to flex his his acting muscles as this character yeah. at least so far who knows maybe you know maybe his role in doctor strange the multiverse of madness is really what he needed you know maybe that's what what he would consider his 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 greatest performance as charles was there for like two two minutes and then die yeah but he got to sit in the in the hover chair and then he got to put his hand to his his temple and stick his hand out so you know yeah like that's that's pretty cool. That's peak Charles. Pretty cool. Peak now Charles all we need is now all we need is like live action wavy lines to show the type yeah. of thing. He got to enter someone's mind without their consent and try and you know alter their personality. In this instance, it was I acceptable, think... but that's still that's still peak Charles. I don't think he was trying to like shift the personality. He was just trying to free the original Wando. Yeah, I don't know. Who's who's point being? He entered someone's mind without consent. And that's a big, that's a big Charles maneuver, you know? Yeah. That's, that's one of his, his favorite pastimes. But, Remember when Charles's biggest sin was just le- was leaving his brother who he couldn't help in a pile of rubble? I remember yeah. those days. What a, what, what a time. Shout out to Juggernaut, man. Juggernaut's cool. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Stewart, this is really, I mean, obviously everyone talks about this as the final, like, Wolverine movie, but... This was also supposed to be like the last Professor X movie. Like he doesn't get as much credit in the general conversation around what this film is supposed to represent as the end of an era, but he like fucking nails it, man. Like this this is one of the best performances I wouldn't even just say as Professor X, but just period, this is one of the best performances I've seen from Patrick Stewart. Yeah. It's honestly like one of those movies where you're like, like normally with like Professor X, it's like you have a if you've read the comics or just know Professor X as a character, you expect his death in one way or another. Yeah, and I'm so surprised that they were able to take this and like make his death so impactful. Yeah, this is not the way you would expect him to die in this movie. Yeah, it is. It's just so sad. It's super sad. It's ridiculously sad. Heartbreakingly sad. Yeah, I honestly did not expect that X-24, like, reveal either, but it's, like, it makes so much sense at the same time. So It makes sense. I have thoughts on that, about, like, my pie in the sky, what I wish would have been the case, but we can get to that later. Um, but no, Would you wish it was Sabretooth? I do wish it was Sabretooth. That I mean, apparently, apparently Leaf Driver was supposed to come back, but he couldn't, because it was, like, a scheduling thing. 
Mm. But if they had had um, like a mind wiped or mind controlled brainwashed saber tooth being the the weapon instead of X twenty four, like that would have been. He finally got those adamantium claws he wanted. Oh my goodness, that would have been fucking awesome. But just because Sabretooth didn't get to be the villain doesn't mean we didn't have some pretty cool villains. I really liked Donald Pierce and the Reavers in this. I mean, when I first saw the movie, I'm just like, okay, these are just fine, generic bad guys, whatever. Having gone back in the years since this movie came out and reading all of Chris Claremont's X-Men run, getting more familiar with the Hellfire uh, Club and Donald Pierce as a character and the Reavers in, in general, who after reading the Outback run, I'm like, man, I really like the Reavers. They're such pieces of shit, but they're just cool bad guys. Um, seeing how they adapted and essentially modernized Donald Pierce and the Reavers in this is just really satisfying and really cool and making them just subservient essentially to what is, I guess, Weapon X. They never really say in this, but, you know. It's, it's Weapon X, basically. It's, it's, I mean, it's it's either the facility or whatever, like what made X-23 in the comics, or it's Weapon X. It's some tour, or no, wait, isn't it uh, Essex, Essex Corp or whatever? Uh, I think Essex, no, Essex Corp is uh, the is during uh, Days of Future Past with Gene and stuff. They didn't show it in this one. Then it could be Essex the, Corp, and they well, just there's the, the well, there's the teaser at the end of X Men Apocalypse with like the X, Essex Corp having yeah, you know, access to Logan's DNA, and then X Men Apocalypse was the last one to wasn't Apocalypse the last one before Logan? Uh, or they or were they filming at the same time? They might have been filming at the same time. It could it could be. It's just that they never hint that it's Essex Corp in Old Man Logan. Either so. way, some sort of little whatever corporation is employing the Reavers. And I think it's a really cool to bring really cool way to bring them into the the plot. And I just I really like Boyd Holbrook's performance as uh as Donald Pierce. Like he's just he's clearly just a little He's a little scummy guy, but he's also just like cool. I like his little glasses. I like his hand. Like I like his little little shiny gold tooth. I'm like this guy. What yeah. a what a absolute piece of shit this guy is. But darn it, if he isn't charming to watch. Yeah, the ironic thing is when I first watched it in the theaters, it took me like a whole fifteen minutes after he was on screen to say, "Oh, that's Donald Pierce." Well, do you missed you you didn't realize it because he didn't have his little petticoat on and the little <laughs> the ruffles because even <laughs> after he's kicked out of the Hellfire Gala, he still dresses like that. I mean, the Hellfire Club, he still dresses like that for a good few years. Like, bro, you're not in the inner circle anymore. You don't have to dress like you're in the American Revolution. He want he wants to though. He wants to feel important and special. Yeah. So then he switches up to just wearing a big ass cape. <laughs> Which, you know, I like the pizzazz, I like the commitment to fashion, but when you're running a paramilitary organization of cyborg mercenaries, I just don't necessarily know how practical that is. That's just, that's just me. I'm just saying, I don't know that I would wear it, but Donald, far be it for me to tell you how to live your life. Yeah. And to be be honest, it's like, sometimes they're just, sometimes you just like need to have, either need to keep it or have that change up. Like... I honestly think I would like um uh what's the what's the movie he appears in? Uh X-Men First Class a bit mm-hmm. more if Sebastian Shaw just had that just had his iconic comic book look. If he just dude, had the weird Victorian era petticoat and the ruffles and like had his hair in a little ponytail with a little bow tie on it, like 
it would, I mean, I would love to see Kevin Bacon in that outfit, which is the long mutton chops, you know what I'm talking about? Like, just the really yeah. thick, long sideburns. But then again, Kevin Bacon crushed it in first class, so we're not going to not gonna disparage anything that the Bacon does. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like, Bacon, Bacon does what Bacon does, but it's like, have you ever just imagined him with the iconic outfit? Because then it's like... I'm certainly imagining it now. Yeah, it's it's like it's weirdly satisfying. Well, he had well, here's the thing: Sebastian Shaw. He had the two iconic outfits. He had the the you know petticoat that we're talking about now, and he had the look where he just walks around shirtless <laughs> to fight because <laughs> he just absorbs kinetic energy. So it's like, okay, if we want to see Kevin yeah. Bacon running around shirtless, that'd be engaging. Um, it, it would be, but it's also I also find it extremely funny. Because that is, it not only is it iconic, but every time he goes up against Colossus, he never wears the shirt. No, the you gotta only, have the titties out. Yeah, the only time he did, the only time he didn't was it technically wasn't him. It wasn't a mental illusion. Titties out, man. You know who who could have had their titties out a bit more in this movie? Hugh Jackman, because he's he is he is living up to your nickname. He is a huge jacked man in this movie and even though he's supposed to be like old and broken down i said we still gotta give a shout out he still looks fantastic now this isn't the the best we've physically seen hugh jackman as wolverine i still think the the just the beefiest the biggest we've seen him was in days of future past because he just looked incredible if they could take that physique and then somehow just squish Hugh Jackman down. Like, don't make him cut any muscle. I want him to be the same weight he is now. But just squish him down by, like, a foot? Oh, my goodness. It would have yeah. just been picture perfect. And he still maintains a great deal of that that physicality in this movie. And this feels like, you know, because it's rated R, this is the closest we get to seeing, you know, what a peak, especially when he, he takes the... Uh, the little serum or whatever the the the, the quote unquote medicine the kids call it uh, when he takes it to rescue them in the forest like that's the closest we've gotten so far to peak comic book Wolverine ad- adapting live action where he's just running around and just chopping dudes up and doing his little leap it's not a, a huge Jackman Wolverine appearance unless he's running around in a wife beater in the woods you know yeah we need to yeah. see this man in the woods the woods they give him his strength it's like seeing vin diesel you know next to a car in fast and furious he's gonna become unstoppable it's like vin diesel goes to space in a car it's like wolverine will probably like warp reality in the forest it's, it's well, just actually what he does. not to be a stickler for fast and furious continuity but vin diesel's character dominic toretto isn't the one who goes to space it's... i know i know <laughs> I was so, just making a point. I'm just saying, you know, we got members of the Fast family in the audience. You know, I'm not going to have them sit here and think, I don't know my Fast and Furious lore. Okay. But also, I I just realized something uh, due to you saying that um, this was a rated R movie. Since, like, we didn't get one for a while, Deadpool, I think Deadpool 2 was 2018. Deadpool 1 was 2016. Mm, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because Deadpool 2 starts off with them referencing Logan getting killed on this. Okay, so they were on the upswing. They had had Days of Future Past and Deadpool. Then they had Apocalypse, and that was a little bit of a for people. Uh, yeah, because Days of Future Past was 2014, Deadpool was 2015, Apocalypse was 2016, and this was 2017, and then Deadpool 2, 2018. Yeah, um, Deadpool, but Deadpool 1 was 2016. I just looked it up. Look at that. What a yeah. What a time. What a time that was. It's like back-to-back years of just 
Fox on the rise. A, a shocking upswing for Fox. And then they just immediately, immediately tarnish the goodwill with X-Men Apocalypse, which I enjoyed just because I turned my brain off and watched it. I get why people don't like it. And then <sighs> Dark Phoenix is a thing that happened. Again, it's like, if you're going to do Dark Phoenix, you got to give us a give us more of a reason to like Jeed. It's like, focus on her. Don't wait until she's already turning evil. Also, for X-Men Apocalypse, just because I don't know if we're ever going to talk about it, mm-hmm. why couldn't you just make him bigger? Like, one of the huge, one yeah, of the things about Apocalypse uh, is that he is like, he is like Thanos. He is this physical, intimidating presence. Don't even get me started on Apocalypse, because I won't stop. But, in terms of turning evil, also getting to see Hugh Jackman's performance as X-24, just as a a... Wolverine in his prime without the morality and how he's just tearing people to shreds. He was, he was sufficiently like scary as X-24. Like he has just that mindless weapon that they wanted uh, Wolverine to be. Like he was, he was fantastic. And there we got to see how beefy his arms were and they were beefy. Oh yeah. But what I also like is that when they, when it first shows up because like the movie theater, like had it a little bit extra dark, initially when i saw the facial hair i was like oh Sabretooth," and then you saw the face it's like oh my god that's yeah you see the buzz cut you're like oh leaf shriver yeah it's like it 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 really it really hits i think this is like the only time where i can fully believe um in the whole these logan and Sabretooth are brothers thing because Mm -hmm. they look alike in their ironically in their older age rather than their younger age yeah it was it was a, a it was a good twist it was a good yeah. twist, um, but man, in general, this 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 movie it does such a it does such a good job of subverting expectations. I think because you don't expect to see. I mean, if you're familiar with the the old man Logan story, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, we're gonna see a uh, a Wolverine who's given up his life as an X Man, whatever. But even in that, in the comic, he'd given it up, you know, because he had murdered the x-men spoiler for the comic uh he had been tricked by mysterio into thinking the x-men were enemies of the x-men and he killed them all and it turns out he's murdered the whole mansion but yeah you even if you have that preconceived notion of the comic you go into this expecting okay this is wolverine who gave up being wolverine because he killed everyone that's sad but you don't expect to see charles the way he is you don't expect to see that oh charles is the one who who killed the x-men you don't expect to see a Logan who's just so despondent and broken and like suicidal. Even in the old man Logan book, he'd given up being Wolverine, but like he had a family, you know, he had he had kids. Um, he then goes on a mission of revenge and it's a whole thing. But he he had a life. This is a Logan who just has absolutely nothing. Like his healing factor is giving up on him. He's just a just a broken piece of shit, and it's really satisfying to watch him through his relationship with Laura find his way back to being the hero or anti-hero depending on your um definition finding his way back to being the character that he once was and when you get the payoff at the end where you know he he dies and he's holding Laura's hand and he says you know oh that's what it feels like hearkening back to his conversation with Charles earlier about like you know actually living life and and feeling and having a family like man that shit just hits cuz you didn't expect that to be the way this this played out or this wrapped up yeah and also paying off the uh 
like it, it technically is a different payoff because of how she implies how um he dies but it's still a good payoff for the wolverine it's like i can't remember her name but basically the person who sees your death it's like she says you're holding your heart it's like that's a good way of paying it off yeah it's 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 really good really touching touching stuff this movie in general like for being as rated r and violent and adult as it is it is also really heartfelt in some really depressing ways and some really bittersweet ways, but also in some genuinely like, Oh, this is touching. Like this is, this is almost hopeful way. Like with uh, their dinner with Eric LaSalle's family, which is then immediately shattered because mm. they all get brutally murdered, but it's a nice moment, you know, <laughs> like it's like, Oh, this is sweet. Um, yeah. I also like the attention to detail that they give because during Gabriella, Gabriella's phone video, you can actually see that they created X 24 piece by piece. Mm. So it's like, and that is one of the explanations of why his uh, regenerative healing factor is actually weaker. Yeah, because it's he's just a, a makeshift sort of thing, which they could do. Uh, a, they could have done a bit more explaining on that because it's not entirely clear that his healing factor is weaker until the end when he gets his head blown off, and you're just like, okay, well, why don't you just heal? Yeah, or like, why didn't your skull? Why wasn't your skull able to block it? Yeah, well, there was an adamantium bullet. Yeah. Well, again, Logan was shot with that in Wolverine Origins, and it's like, it only, like, pierced his head and made him lose his memory. Yeah, his but head we're... But now we're just looking for a consistency between the Fox movie timelines, and no one really likes to acknowledge X-Men Origins Wolverine. So it's, you know... True, it, true. I, I... Don't get me wrong. I agree with you. But at a certain point, if we start going down the rabbit hole of why this movie didn't agree with some other movie, then we're going to be here all day. I was, I was more arguing just from the, based on what exists in this movie. I don't think they do a good enough job of explaining that this Logan's healing factor is weaker. That's all. Yeah. I understand. I understand. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole either. Otherwise I'll get to the Phoenix force and you know what I'll say. We don't want to, we don't want to talk about the Phoenix force. We'll say though, just shout out Steven Merchant as Caliban. I thought he's fun. Very different from Caliban in the comics, but I'm like, you know what? He's fun. I like his. I like his his performance here. I he reminds me of another character in the comics, but I couldn't. I could never put my finger on it. Whenever I watch the movie, it's like, who are you? You remind me of someone, and it, I know it's one of the Morlocks, but I just can't remember. The only one. other Morlock he makes me think of is Leech, even though that's it. Leech is green. He's yeah, green and also but he's a bald. But yeah. bald. So there you go. That's the kind of all bald people look alike. You heard it here first. That's what Drew said. <laughs> Yeah, because Charles Xavier totally looks like that. Well, you could, I, we mean, we talked about this all fair. You couldn't tell which character was being played by Patrick Stewart. Because uh, there's, you know, he's bald, so you weren't 100% sure. Richard E. Grant, his hair was thinning, and you're like, hmm, wait, which one is he? I'm, 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 I, when did he start looking that way? Hugh Jackman got that buzz cut, and you were just like, oh, shit. Who's, who's this guy? I don't, I don't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just saying, Drew. Maybe get your eyes checked. Maybe check your your bald privilege. You know, check your prejudices against the balds. I I, I will do that against the the follicularly challenge. Uh, but I think that's you know I think that about covers it first. You know, us talking about their standout performances, whatnot. In general, the visuals. I also want, I want to touch on just the the aesthetic of this movie. The visuals and like you mentioned, the the sound design. 
and the score and the soundtrack. Like everything surrounding the cast is just as strong as the cast itself. And I think that is also part of why this movie is still so well regarded, you know, these years after it's come out to the point where people consider it one of the best comic book movies because it it almost does that thing that I have I don't want to say criticized, but we've talked about how with the Dark Knight movies, you get the vibe more that these are like this is supposed to be a movie, you know, but it doesn't feel like a comic book movie. It just happens to be about comic book characters. This almost falls down. This almost walks down a similar path. The only reason why I think it's easier to still read this more as a comic book movie is because it is dealing with like super powered individuals. You know, we still have that, that over the top action and violence. Now it's much more grounded in this, I would say than you know, something along the lines of like days of future past. And I say grounded with an asterisk because it's still people doing incredible physical feats that aren't normally possible, but they have healing factors. We'll, we'll uh, let it go. Yeah, they're the healing factors. But the way even that he's just tearing it through like regular people, um, that makes it feel more real than just, you know, you're watching, I don't know, Infinity War and they're just tearing through. They're, they're killing the soldiers of Thanos, but they're big in CGI and they're alien monsters. So like you don't think twice about this. Like you feel every kill Logan makes in this movie. Like it's visceral. Yeah. You're like, oh shit! Like this is, this is fucked up. Which is, I think, part of why this does feel like so much more mature and grounded. Because you can, you have a better sense of the consequences of the action that's happening in a way that you don't normally get. I think even in something like Deadpool, which is rated R, but it's you know he's he's glib and which makes total sense for Deadpool. This isn't me. Doing like the, oh, let's go that MC humor. Like, no, Deadpool is supposed to be funny and wacky while he's chopping dudes up. So that 100% fits for the character. But by that same token, that action doesn't necessarily feel as real and grounded as it does in Logan, where, you know, you have the bit where Charles is having the seizure and Logan's having to crawl on the wall using his claws in slow motion and he stabs the guy like that's just that you see that you're like man that's fucked up like that guy's dead because you get just the close-up of the claws going through his head and you're like yeah this is this is a weighty a weighty situation and a big part of that weight is you know what originally got me on this tangent was the visuals and the sound design and the the score and just everything surrounding this movie to make moments like that feel that much more weighty. Yeah. Just, yeah. You don't have anything else to add? <laughs> well, you went on, well, you went on, you got through everything I could have said. Oh, yeah, you could just be like, yeah, I agree, but just, yeah, it's like, all right, well, I guess we're wrapped <laughs> okay, up. Yeah, here. I, okay. Uh, let me, let me try a bit. I'm, I'm trying to like think of something like I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And it's like, I said before, like with the sound design, like I like the small differences they have, like with Laura's, uh, when she pops her claws versus when Logan pops his, mm. I, and just the small little details that they do everything, even when the adamantium bullet and everything they, it's like, I heard, it's like, I heard through the grapevine that apparently like they went through several different sound effects to figure out what mm-hmm. the best sound would be. Cause it's supposed to be an adamantium bullet piercing an adamantium skull. Yeah. It's like that's like it's like it's crazy to um 
it's like it's crazy that they went through so many different sound effects apparently but it's like it works really well to show you just how um just how visceral it is to get that whole sound while also keeping it to where it feels grounded and not like just so just going like a like a laser beam like pew you know which wouldn't make sense because it was a revolver but still yeah, it's like it's like save the la- save the laser beams for when the X Men go to like the future or something. Save the laser beams for Deadpool three, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, the soundtrack the soundtrack is great. It's like I don't honestly, it's like this is one of those soundtracks where I probably won't listen. I probably won't listen to it like when I'm exercising or something like I do with other soundtracks. But you're not supposed to. This soundtrack is purely to enhance every scene that you've got and it's amazing i love the and i love the again the sound design especially for like the stuff where it's like we can finally tell when charles is using his telepathy Mm -hmm. which i think like the fox movies had a problem with just using either close-ups or like oh um patrick stewart is seizuring in his chair or something to show his telepathy it's like this one it's like nope we get like like just sound do a do a a close-up like a knowing look in his eye yeah it's like it's so it's like it's really good and I love the vi- I love the visuals as well. It's like they can't go all out with like the visuals like X Men could normally do. Like you can't like have Magneto Magneto um, moving the Golden Gate Bridge or Magneto rising a stadium. Or Mag- gosh, a lot of the um, biggest um, Just Magneto lifting things. Ma- <laughs> Magneto <laughs> lifting a submarine. <laughs> yeah, lifting a submarine or like um, destroying an ex Nazi concentration camp. Uh, but it's like. Or Magneto uh, battling Gene by lifting a train out from <laughs> the subway. Okay, hon- honestly, that is one of my favorites because we get to see Gene like overpower that Magneto. Cool. That it's like that's one of the things I I think like gets lost with the X Men X Men comics recently. Like Gene, what was originally supposed to be both an Omega level telepath and a Omega level telekinetic, now she's not an Omega level telekinetic, which I get because if she was, she probably could fix every problem, but. Well, you can only have so many Omega level whatevers. Now you got Exodus, who's an Omega level telekinetic. But again, we're here. We gotta, we gotta stay focused. Wait, I, real focus. quick. Hold on. We also forgot Magneto lifting the X Jet and X Men too. Okay. There <laughs> oh we go. yeah. Gotta gotta but mention not, Magneto lifting things. Got got to got to. But then it's like there's also there's like there's it's like you don't also get like visuals of Jean literally lifting everything around her like she's manipulating gravity or something. Mm. Like that's you don't get cool... you don't get storm calling down lightning. You don't get Cyclops blasting somebody out of his face. Like you just yeah. you just get the visuals people getting stabbed. <laughs> yeah, the visuals have to be people getting stabbed or getting chopped to itty bitty pieces, like they're sashimi or something. Yeah. And we get a so, little bit of the more fantastical stuff towards the end, like with the kids, you know, trying to escape from the the soldiers. But even then, like when they have more fantastical powers, the the visuals are still much more graphic and subdued than we, you know, have seen before. Like the little girl blasts a dude in the face with pine needles and someone yeah. else gets their hand frozen and, and broken off, but there's nothing. And and there was a plant guy too. That was a, there was a plant guy and he gets choked. He chokes someone out, but you know, it's yeah. nothing as big and like super duper, I guess, spectacular as you would, you know, as you're mentioning, like with the golden gate bridge stuff or storm or anything like that, it feels more, violent it feels more like these kids are you know running for their lives and the way donald pierce gets killed even like that's one of the more i would guess special effects heavy sequences in the movie and even that is just like really it's a small moment but it's just really fucked up yeah it 
but it's like again it's like it goes to show just logan just how um bad the world is how logan and how also logan sort of views the world as well because he doesn't have the rose tinted glasses that any of the other mutants could possibly have or ruby quartz glasses (laughs) i was waiting for you to say that yeah but it's like he is like he does see the world as more of a gringy place and everything so having the world fully reflect that and everything especially how far down logan's life has gone it's honestly really um really good i like it yeah it's fantastic anything else you want to share before we get into our favorite moments and least favorite moments and final thoughts and all that jazz uh i think my favorite um sort of background detail was the self-driving trucks uh like we all knew like they were eventually come and they're almost here but uh i like the i like the um just the small detail of how they're more squished down because they don't they're not meant to hold people and everything like nice little detail instead of just making it just another truck a semi you could do they actually squished it down a bit yeah which in i i would agree like the way that not even aside from just the trucks, uh, like the self-driving trucks, like the way that they present this as, oh, this is the future, but it feels like a more realistic future than we normally see. Like, I mean, what, Terminator was supposed to be the year, or not even, I can't remember the year Terminator was supposed to be, but Back to the Future was supposed to be 2015, and they're like, oh, we're going to have flying cars, and clearly that didn't happen. This feels like a more like, okay, sure, if this is the next 10, 15 years, like, where society is going to go. It's like, sure, that, yeah, I buy that. Uh, it's just, it feels very lived in, in a way that I don't think most quote-unquote future stories you usually see. Yeah. Yeah. So, favorite moments? Least favorite moments? Uh, I guess my least favorite moment, uh... I'm trying to think because they because honestly all of them are good. I guess, I guess Caliban's death because it's like you kind of think oh he may be able to make it out doesn't, and it's like he doesn't want to do anything but he's like being tortured and everything. I guess that's my least favorite moment, but it's not like like least favorite oh oh it's bad. It's more of just oh don't like that moment. No. Uh, yeah, and uh, favorite moment is honestly like. Honestly, it's an obvious one, so I'm going to give another favorite moment, but it's like Logan holding uh, Laura's hand when he dies, and then Laura changing the cross to an X. It's like, Oh, uh, yeah. That one, that, that'll that'll get you a little misty. That'll get you to tear up. Oh, yeah. I, I, I teared up. I, I had a lot of tears in the theater when I first watched it, and when I rewatched it for this, it's like, dang it, they're coming back. You're like, damn it, it still hits! Uh! Yeah. But uh, that was that was too easy. I want to give another moment. So I like the the um, scene where Professor Charles's powers are going out of c- control because he's having like brain seizures, and then Logan has to like power his way through, and he's just like killing people on his way down. And it's not till um, Charles can finally stop that they all drop. It's like that is a really really cool scene. It was really fucking cool. It was super fucking cool, and they just. They just crumple like dominoes. Yeah. Shit was dope. Um, I'm sorry. My least, do I have a least favorite moment? I mean, I guess when, when Charles gets killed by X-24, just cause it's so sad, but oh. that's not because it's a bad scene. It just like, God, like that just, that's my least part of the movie. Cause I'm like, fuck, I'm just depressed now. Like this is, this is really upsetting. Um, favorite 
scene love when logan he's on the sauce you know he gets that dog in him and he he, mm-hmm. he, he runs in the woods we love him running in the woods um since you brought up that scene i also do like that as a small detail some of his gray hair start to disappear yeah his healing factor just um kicks in again it's like that's a nice attention to detail um let me see what else just any fight he has charles getting killed sad logan seeing the younger version of him for the first time cool so that was a, a nice, a nice dichotomy there. Um, I actually kind of like Caliban's death scene. I don't remember what he said. What does he say? Like, beware the light or something. He says something cool. And then before he blows him up, I'm like, ah, shit. Anytime Donald Pierce is there, he's just fun. I like him. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's easy. But the ending is, is just super fucking good. Um, oh, and when Logan, uh, passes out or not even passes out when he, uh, or no, yeah, I guess it's in passing out. When he <laughs> gets angry at the truck and just tries to smash him with a shovel, that's just really funny. Uh, it's a funny <laughs> moment of, of, of... It's not... I mean, it's not super-duper... It's not levity because it's still a depressing scene, but it's just funny. He was like, fuck, 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 and just falls over uh, after the really depressing funeral scene. Uh, yeah. So yeah, final thoughts, Drew? I think we'd agree. Great movie. Great, great movie. Really... Um can get you misty-eyed, can get you depressed, can get you a little hopeful. It's like, it's, it's got it all. It's got it all. Would you agree that this is probably one of the best comic book movies uh, ever made? Yes, 100%. I also would, I also would uh, be so bold as to make that statement. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there you go, everyone. If you haven't watched Logan, A, I don't know why you're listening to this, but B, go watch Logan. And I'm sure mm. anyone who's listening to this would agree when we say that it's amazing. Because I don't know that I've ever seen anyone say that Logan's bad. And if they do say that, then they're not somebody that I want to know. So, honestly, Drew. I want to know what your thought process is. To yeah, call what are you? What are you doing? Movie. What are you smoking that you're like, oh, Logan's bad? Because I got some questions, but I also got a question for you, Drew. What are you working on, and where can people find you? I guess that's two questions. But if I phrase this <laughs> one one sentence, then you know. Well, I am. Well, I'm on the uh, socials. Uh, you can find me at Drew Garrison underscore. I am on Twitter and Instagram and eventually scripts, I guess, because that's a, th- that's a thing now. Apparently it's been out for a month and I just didn't know. Uh, but I have a script now. So, hey, if I have anything to say with words instead of my voice, check me out there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You can find me when you're done, you know, checking out Drew's scripts. You can find me. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BackIssueBins. You can also find some of my work over at Screen Rant, where, hey, maybe they just posted one of my articles about Wolverine mentoring another young protege and how she's really his 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 perfect protege, his ultimate protege. Who am I referring to? You'll have to read the article to find out because it's a spoiler. And, you know, I get paid to review, so I wouldn't complain if you went over there and uh, gave it a little, uh, give it a little gander. I was about, I'm glad you said that fast, because I was about to spoil it. (laughs) Don't spoil it! Don't spoil it! The title says spoiler! Alright, so don't do it. Also, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Drew and I have been working on The Long Box Hunters, the Nerd Stash Network's new comic book podcast, hosted and starring the two of us. And hint, and hint, hint, like, currently the best podcast coming out of Nerdstash, hint, hint. I mean, I'm not the one who said it, but as the arbiter of culture and the people's champion, who would I be to disagree with one of my constituents, you know? I'm, that's just, that's, that's not my place. 
So yeah, go check that out. When you're done checking out all of the great content over the Nerd Stash, including Power Up and the Game, uh, Power Up and the Game, Power Up and Game, Clash of the Stash, you know, all of it. It's all great stuff. You guys, you, you have an embarrassment of riches here. You're spoiled for choice when it comes to great Nerd Stash network listening content and all the great articles the folks over the Nerd Stash site are pumping out. Like this is just, this is your one-stop shop, okay? You don't have to shop anywhere else. You just got to make the one stop. But if you don't feel like engaging with all of that amazing content for free, why don't you consider, you know, contributing to our Patreon? Now, if you don't contribute to the Patreon, you're still going to get everything for free. We want to make sure we're giving you the best content we can for, you know, n- not a damn thing. But if you're feeling generous, if you want to see some behind the scenes bonuses, if you want a little extra stuff, no extra content, because we're not, we don't want to put our listening, you know, audio stuff behind a paywall, but you know, you, maybe you can contribute to the shows a little. Maybe you can tell us what you want us to cover. Then go on over, kick us a, even just a dollar will help, you know, just a singular dollar, one dollar, 99 cents a day will, will give you, what's, what did they always used to say on like the, the sad, uh, ASPCA commercials where it's like in the arms of the angels and you see a sad dog oh, like, me. for just a dollar a day you can or one dollar a month you can help save whatever for a dollar a month you can help justify me and Drew and Taylor and Michael and just everyone running our mouths as much as we do please not that I need justification but you know come on and when you're done checking out the Patreon you can head on over to our Discord you can have us run our mouths directly at you. Well, I guess we're on our thumbs because we're typing in the Discord. And we can just talk about all sorts of nerdy goodness. It's a fun time. You know, we got all sorts of different channels there to talk about different topics. It's a blast. And when you're done with that, and really when you're done listening to anything, just consider leaving us a rating on whatever service you're listening to us on. We really appreciate it. It helps the algorithm. You know, all, all, the, all the spiel, all that jazz. All the links for the Patreon and the Discord will be in the description of this episode, uh, along with, I think, our link trees. Are we, are we, have we started doing that yet? You didn't set up your link tree, did you? I, I have not. I have not. Okay, well, set up your link tree, and it'll be in this episode. My link tree should be in this episode, so you can find uh, my Screen Rant stuff and my socials. Uh, yeah. And also, you could just message us on Discord and ask us where to follow us. So join the Discord, everyone. Next week on Nerds Talk Movies, the usual Nerds Talk Movies crew. So that's me and Drew. And yes, Taylor is returning. Uh, We will be assembling to talk about what is arguably the best animated Superman movie ever made. All-Star Superman. Drew, are are you arguing that it's the best? Oh, I I will argue it's the best. You would argue that? Okay, I would argue well, that. Well, I mean, I don't know. I love also Superman, but the death of Superman made me cry. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. We'll see. But we will get into all of that next week. Until then, everybody, I don't know. Have, have, a, nice, have a nice week. Be nice to each other. Peace.